Hi, welcome back to Spotlights, the podcast for the Yale Forum on Religion and Ecology. I'm your host, Sam Mickey. And for this week and next week, like we've been doing for uh, the last couple months, I think, we'll have a two-part interview with our guest. And so this week will be the first part of this two-part interview. And our guest is Susanna Crockford. Uh, she's an anthropologist studying religion, especially in relationship to climate change. And she has a new book out, uh, specifically looking at Sedona, Arizona, and the way New Age cosmology shapes some communities there. So the book is Ripples of the Universe, Spirituality in Sedona, Arizona. So this week we talk a lot about the book, the kinds of issues that come up in the book. And then next week, we'll talk more specifically about how some of the things in that book have really become prominent parts of United States politics in recent years. So I don't want to spoil any of it. So we'll go ahead and leave it there and uh, let Susanna take it away. Susanna, welcome. Hi. So I guess to start off, maybe if you could introduce yourself a little bit and you know uh, how you situate your work in relationship to religion and ecology. Because I know uh, specifically you do like ethnographic approaches to spirituality. Uh, so we could say a little bit about who you are, what's your background. Yeah. Okay. So I am an anthropologist and I, I would say I come from studying anthropology of religion. And then that kind of then connected me to religion and ecology, because what I, one of the things I studied a lot in my PhD was nature religion in Sedona, but I was studying new age spirituality in Sedona and nature religion is just one part of that. And then that kind of led me to more religion and ecology uh, kind of directions with my work. So my second project is about religion and climate change. So obviously that's very solidly in religion and ecology. And it's looking at how religious and eschatological language kind of works in climate change discourse, looking at kind of a range of actors situated uh, in that discourse, such as scientists, activists, and uh, deniers, people who don't believe in climate change or just don't care or just like don't think about it. Um, so that's kind of the main trajectory of my work so far and how it connects to religion. And nice. And, uh, and, you know, you already mentioned Sedona, mm. an interesting, uh, choice for a, a location. And, you know, I'm, uh, born in Arizona, like raised in Texas, living in California, very like American Southwest. But so as soon as I heard uh, about your work in Sedona, I was like, oh, very interesting. I know enough about Sedona to that word really stands out right um and so you have this book that just came out ripples of the universe spirituality in sedona arizona um so you know for people that don't know why sedona is an interesting kind of place to study what's going on in sedona <laughs> yeah first tell me where you're from in arizona uh glendale glendale oh yeah. my god phoenix all right phoenix is yeah. the word so <laughs> So I'm going to explain Arizona first for everyone, because you kind of have to understand Arizona to understand why Sedona is special, right? So when people think about Arizona, they think about places like where you're from, Phoenix and Tucson, these giant cities in the middle of a desert that are kind of very like urban sprawl, lots of kind of grid systems, um, a lot of kind of like, obviously like the cacti are still there, but like the inhabited parts of the Arizona desert are very urban in a very kind of like, 
it's a very western city that you find in Arizona I think and if you go up north suddenly you realize Arizona is completely different you're in the mountains there's water there's the Verde, Verde River that goes through the Verde Valley which is where Sedona is you've got Oak Creek going into Sedona so you have trees and you have greenery and it looks like this very different kind of place and it's so it's visually stunning um, and the people who live there have various ideas about where why it's more than just a beautiful place it's also a sacred place right and a lot of these people are engaged in what you might want to call new age spirituality so this is the book and i'm going to show it you now because this is what sedona looks like it's like what is this place it's like red red rocks right because of all the iron in the rocks and it's in these canyons and there's this like there's this river so there's these trees and you literally to get there have to come through one of these kind of barren wasteland parts of Arizona that's like got these kind of ugly cities like Kingman or somewhere like that <laughs> you know the kind of places where like the only industry is the prison um and you so you go through this very kind of barren like remote desolate wasteland and then you get to Sedona and it's like this kind of uh like an eruption of life right and it's all to do with the mountains and the rivers and like the canyons and how they kind of that ecosystem is interconnected right um so, yeah, so a lot of people that live there say that it's a vortex. Right, right the vortexes. That's the thing. So yeah. that's, that's kind of what they call it there. And, like, so the obvious question is, and it's like, what's a vortex? <laughs> and actually they're rocks. It's kind of disappointing when you realize, when you, like, think about it in strictly material terms, it's like, it's a rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this big big rock one of them is called cathedral rock and they say it looks like a cathedral but like i'm from europe so maybe i just have this different standard <laughs> or awareness of cathedrals because i look at it and go i don't really see it <laughs> um you know there's bell rock and there's there's boynton canyon and there's airport mesa these are the four that they will tell you like you can you find them on maps you go to the sedona chamber of commerce and there'll be a vortex tour map and there are people who call themselves vortex tour guides and they'll take you to these four rocks um but people have been there a long time say that that's, that's not it, right? That's kind of, that's like entry-level vortexes. Really, the whole area is filled with this kind of special energy, right? So you can't really identify it as certain places. And, like, the people who I find who are from here, not necessarily from Phoenix so much, but people who are from northern Arizona but not necessarily from Sedona itself, because no one's really from Sedona, right? <laughs> It's super expensive to live there. So most people have moved in, right? They've purchased property there. Often their second home as a retirees. And they've usually come from somewhere in California or like New York or like Chicago or somewhere where they've made a lot of money, right? And then you can move somewhere like Arizona and you can buy these because these homes in Sedona, they're like at least a million, right? Just for an ordinary like like two bedroom, like what would be a mobile home. But it's like, you know, it's in Sedona. So it's so expensive, right? But the people who are from the area, they also say that, like it's a special place, right? And a lot of people will tell you that it's special because it was special to the Native Americans. But they kind of very vaguely kind of like symbolically signal this connection. Most people that you will spoke, speak to don't actually know about the history of Native American occupation in the Verde Valley. They just say, or at least I found that they would just say to me, um, it's sacred because the Native Americans, you know, the Native Americans knew it was sacred. It's sacred because it is. And that's why we say there's vortexes. And this right. is kind of history of like psychics and like there's a group called Ru uh, Rainbow Ruby Focus. 
Um, they were channelers. They channeled aliens. And one of the things they channeled was this knowledge of the vortexes. And they still have property near Airport Mesa Vortex. Um, but these are all New Ages, right? And if you talk to, say, Navajo and Hopi, who are also from that area, right? Arizona has the largest amount of land uh, for reservation land of the continental U.S. And it's easy to forget that as well when you're talking about Arizona. Yeah. You think they're just the cities, but actually, you know, this is native land. And the Navajo and the Hopi very much think of the vortexes as just something that white people do <laughs> to kind of justify the fact that they're there and they're living there and that they remove the people who are actually, you know, uh, the people who occupied the land first, which was the Yavapai. They've kind of been moved out to Camp Verde. And they called this area Weepuk, or like the, the place where the first humans emerged from Middle Earth. So it is, it's like part of their creation story, but it's not that creation story that people talk about when they talk about vortexes. They just kind of say very vaguely, like, it's sacred. The Native Americans said it's sacred. And also, this is the key thing they would say, that the Native Americans just came there to do ceremony. They didn't live there. Oh. It's a very strange thing to think about one of the few places in the area with a fresh water source. Why wouldn't you live there? <laughs> like, of course they lived there, right? <laughs> of course they occupied this land. It wasn't just, like, special ritual sacred land. You know, so it's kind of a co-option as well when people say it's sacred and it was sacred to the Native Americans. And so we're using it in this sacred way by living there and following our spiritual path there. That's kind of the slippage, I think, that's made in those narratives when actually they're not kind of historically contiguous in that way because of the history of removal. Right. Um, that's kind of a long answer to the, like, why is the donors? But it has this, like, reputation of, like, specialness and sacredness. Right. But it's not just one story. There's lots of different stories you can tell. Um, like if you just talk to like the retirees that live in Sedona, they're like, oh, you know, it's it's beautiful. And that's why it's special. Like, and God created this to be so beautiful. Mm. But, you know, they often have much more kind of like uh, Protestant, uh, Christian uh, connections or upbringing, even if they're not still active church members. So they don't see it as like, it's sacred because it's in the landscape. It's seen as something from God, right? It's a gift from God is how they would phrase it. Right. Interesting. There's a full spectrum of uh, perspectives there. Uh, so then, so the more Protestant things like, well, it's, we're not going to explain it with vortexes or aliens or channeling. And they think um, that's evil, right? Right. Like there's demonic forces. In Sedona, that's interesting. That. So do they think that those that those kind of people, like the Chandlers, the crystal shops and stuff like that, that that's kind of a force of, of evil in the in the town? Yeah, for sure. I, for sure. Like I had conversations with people in that town who were like <laughs> evangelical Christian. They were like, there's evil here, wow. you know, demonic forces. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I guess there's some people wearing crystals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And then the uh, native population is like, eh, it's just stuff white people do. Yeah, and uh, they just think it's a rip-off, right? They're just yeah. like, it's stories white people made up to make money. And you're like, well, yeah. like, I can see why you would think that as well. They're making a lot of money. Right? But yeah. also people who is actually making money, right? The people who are, like, calling themselves, like, channelers or psychics, and they're not making a lot of money, right? The people who are making money are the corporations that own the resorts and the businesses right. uptown. And increasingly so now, kind of venture capital firms that buy up 
the housing stock and then just rent it as short-term lets through Airbnb and similar sites. So it's actually incredibly hard to live in Sedona now if you rent, if you can't afford to buy, because Sedona, like many places in the Western US, which are kind of tourist destinations, um, they are now incredibly high value assets mm. from a real estate perspective right. um and and this is happening all across the west the, the the land is being bought up by companies which then just rent them out for holiday makers and the people who actually live there and often work there and often support these same tourist industries can't afford to live there so a lot of the people that i knew who worked in the tourist industry in stone actually live further down the verde valley and like even cottonwood's very expensive now but like camp verde and uh cornville and these kind of very much they're cheaper to live in but there is definitely not as like that you don't have the same level of like kind of fresh water and like businesses and you know beautiful canyons that you have in Sedona like right. Sedona is it's special in like an economic sense as well right in the right. Yeah, and that seems <clears throat> to be one of the places that this really isn't just about like studying religion, but it is one of those things with, as you're studying this kind of, you know, the spiritual significance of it, you see it intersect with the landscape, the economy, and all these kind of issues coming together, uh, which I think is very interesting. And especially, I don't know, I guess the cosmology part of it for new age people, yeah. that, you know, not just the vortexes and the crystals, but what is the nature of the universe such that this stuff is possible? Uh, right, like the the ripples of the universe. You want to tell us a little bit about the the title, the ripples? Yeah. So the cosmologies of spirituality is something I go into in kind of a lot of detail because I felt like it hadn't really been done with New Age spirituality. That people tend to define New Age spirituality in terms of practices. It's like, well, I think it's people doing yoga, right? right. Or I think it's people like channeling, and all these things are part of New Age spirituality. But you could also do these things and not be involved in New Age spirituality yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, my son wants to get in and I lock the door. <laughs> it's a great sound. <laughs> Can I pause for a moment? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so back to uh, the cosmology, the ripples. Okay, yeah, so, uh, so I have this whole section that's in the introduction where I, I trace the cosmologies of spirituality to try and show that this is an integrated religious worldview for lack yeah. of a better term, which I think that often like, you know, it's just kind of called like non-formative or kind of ephemeral. And I don't think it is right. I just don't think it had maybe been around long enough for enough sustained study to be done right. for things to emerge. Right. So I talk about how the central concept in spirituality is energy, this idea of energy, like, and that everything is energy but that all energy vibrates at certain frequencies. And this kind of constructs a cosmological order, but also a moral order. So your ability to create the life you want, to create your own reality, as they say a lot, is kind of very much propelled by your own ability to be positive and to follow this kind of fairly narrow path in terms of lifestyle, but that you kind of, in a way, construct as whatever it is you want right so there's this idea that you follow a spiritual path and this is what raises the vibration of your energy and the more you do that the more this kind of gets you towards enlightenment which is like the alignment with the energy of the universe also called oneness so if you're in oneness with the universe right you are basically enlightened to this like you know nirvana like state right um and there are lots of kind of analogies made especially with uh, buddhism um 
I would say. Uh, but And this is what I'm going to get to now. There's this idea that they can pick freely and just choose whatever they want to create their spiritual path. And you're just meant to discern that what resonates with your energy. So you like, there's this idea of reincarnation as well. So you incarnated into this current material life in the, what we call the third dimension. So different dimensions have different kinds of vibrations and the higher you vibrate, you get into higher dimensions. So there's this idea of the ascension, which is, so we're in the 3d and we're going up to the 5d and that's like the millenarian event of uh, spirituality is this ascension and often they'll say it's preceded by disclosure which is where we find out that there's aliens right. aliens are just beings on different dimensions right they're just beings with a different vibration of energy right. and it's the same with dead people so you can communicate with all these different entities and different dimensions if you can kind of have that ability at the current vibration of energy that you're at right so following your spiritual path kind of gives you kind of extra powers in terms of like, I don't know, maybe learning that you have psych ability to read people psychically. That's a, a fairly common one, right? Or maybe you're an energy healer. And as you raise your vibration and go on your spiritual path, you develop these gifts and abilities, right? And often then people try to monetize them because they want to live in a way that's consonant with their spiritual path. Because actually working just an ordinary job where you get paid money uh, for your labor and <laughs> that's seen as like having a low spiritual vibration. Um, so they try and work in a way that they can feel that their work is also contributing. And it's the same with diet. So I talk a lot about food as well. Like the, what you eat literally creates the level of the of kind of vibration of energy that you have. So if you eat things like meat, you're kind of dragging yourself down and you're ascending or you're helping your personal ascension and your personal spiritual path. Uh, if you kind of keep to a vegan diet and you avoid gluten and all these other dietary rules, which I talk about. Um, but so this idea that you can kind of create the path how you want, but as I, as I've kind of already been describing, they create their path in these very kind of conventional and formulaic ways, right? They tend to do meditation as a practice, right? That's very, very popular. Um, and the symbols that are used that they kind of adopt. So for example, the past lives they will talk about will tend to come from the fairly restricted range of cultures. Like ancient Egypt is incredibly popular. Tibetan Buddhism is incredibly popular. Like a certain kind of esoteric Catholicism, which kind of caught me off guard a little it's also popular. Like there's a lot of angels and angelology, uh, and, you know, Archangel Michael and right. things like that. And St. Germain, who actually comes through Guy Ballard and the I Am movement. But like, these are kind of like, <laughs> they're, they're figures that have been drawn from this kind of esoteric Catholicism, which I think is kind of like often overlooked with new ages. Like often people look at them and go, yes, I see the Buddhism, right? I see how you've like appropriated a bunch of Buddhism and indigenous religions obviously are very obvious, but it's like this whole kind of interesting, like, mix that's really drawn from like what's what your kind of average person who's kind of literate but more likely to be in western europe and north america what would they have exposure to through their various sources especially the internet and that's not everything right, right. so we know they think that there's this kind of like i call it universalism you could also call it perennialism this idea that all religions contain the same truth Right. Um, but obviously their interpretation of what that truth is, that's the right one. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it can, it's, you know, especially if you're actually invested in one of these other traditions, it can be quite offensive, I think, sometimes, the way that people involved in your spirituality use kind of elements and symbols and kind of figures and iconography from various different traditions and just kind of like draw it out and make it their own. Um, oh, we may have a, what's up? 
It hasn't been 10 minutes, right? <laughs> Definitely not been 10 minutes. <laughs> that was great. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the way you're describing all that really uh, helps bring into relief the uh, worldview of a lot of people around the San Francisco Bay Area, where I'm currently living. I'm like, oh, right. That's, so that's why the angels... It is. It's easy to uh, to overlook exactly what traditions they're drawing on here, and you have people who are like energy workers, but they're really into angels for some reason. And they have this helps make sense. But I guess sometimes people talk about New Age spirituality as this kind of buffet, kind of cafeteria thing. They take a little of this, a little of that, and uh, and tracing that out seems uh, really helpful. There's like a lot of people practicing this, or a lot of us who might just make fun of it, but there just doesn't seem to be any research into it at this kind of level. I think in this sense, your book is really breaking a lot of ground and trying to spell these things out, uh, which I, I appreciate as just somebody who is around a lot of these folks. Uh, and to yeah. some extent, maybe am one a little bit. It's hard to say. Like some of this, I'm like, oh no, I think I might, yeah, hmm. I might be more new age than I realize. Yeah, a lot of these <laughs> ideas are quite diffuse throughout the culture right now. So like you might find that you're, like a lot of us know about astrology, yeah. And there's a lot of astrology that isn't new age, but a lot of the way that, say, you or I may have encountered it right now, especially if you're in America, is through new age sources. So even though astrology, like there's, for example, there's different like charts for like different systems. So you've got like Western astrology, you've got, you know, what they call Vedic astrology, you've got Chinese astrology, right? So the astrology can be lots of different things and it has this really long history which is not new age at all. But then actually the way we know about it and we encounter it is through a new age lens. And I feel like a lot of people don't actually know that about the things they, they read and they encounter. Um, but also a lot of these ideas and practices are probably a lot more popular than people know because a lot of people don't want to talk about it because you do get made fun of. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And I think there's also like that you're in okay. California spirituality, I would say is, is different from Arizona spirituality. Cause I feel like it's maybe a bit more kind of, I'd say like liberally inflected. Mm, yeah. Um, whereas in Arizona, you get these kind of strange connect kind of combinations. Like I met someone who was an artist and she had a gallery in Uptown. She owned several vacation apartments. That's how she actually made money. Um, but she was a psychic and she told me all about how she, like the psychic experience she, she had and these very kind of jarring experiences of premonitions. And then she was like, but you know about Obama, he's not a, he's not born in America. He's a Muslim. And I was like, oh my God, a birther psychic. Interesting. <laughs> That's right. Interesting. And I don't think you would encounter those same kind of figures in somewhere like the Bay Area. Yeah. Area, right. Yeah. Um, and then so that was 2012. Fast forward to 2020. <laughs> and suddenly you have all these people who are both engaged in New Age spirituality and also interested in QAnon. Um, and you can kind of say, like, where did that come from? But I'm like, no, that definitely came from places like that psychic birth. Right. That was already there. It was already prevalent in kind of new age circles with this conspiracism and this is another thing that i talk about in the book that maybe people wouldn't necessarily associate with new age spirituality, just how prevalent conspiracy theories are i didn't expect it at all before i came into the field and then i was just like why is everyone talking about chemtrails like what's vaccinations like i just like i come from this very kind of like secular british kind of like no nonsense kind of attitude where i'm like i don't think i just don't think governments would do that i just don't think that they would try and poison us on mass through the air and the water and through medicines and they're like oh 
you're so naive. <laughs> and I'm like, wake up to what? <laughs> like, what's going on? And so in the book, I mainly talk about chemtrails, but there is this pervasive idea that the government and that, you know, science and medicine, everyone's in cahoots um, to poison the people en masse through like toxic air pollution. But like, and this is the kind of like tension I come to in the book, like, yes, there is toxic air pollution and there is climate change and there is all this like carbon dioxide in the atmosphere that is being emitted from things like airplanes. But the, it's not chemtrails, right? It's not uh, aluminum. Sorry. I always want to say aluminium. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not aluminum being put like into the exhaust to purposefully like control the weather or control our minds or cause depopulation. It's more like this catastrophic... Uh, pollution is occurring because they just want to make money from it and in a way I see that as even worse yeah. you know at least if there was this grand conspiracy we could like take out Bill Gates you know right. <laughs> and I think that that's what they're reaching for in mm. a way through all their conspiracy theories is that like they see it in this very kind of dichotomous good versus evil uh, kind of battle like I got told things like well you know Star Wars it's not just a movie that's like a real thing there's good aliens fighting bad aliens mm -hmm. and like the conspiracies are all involved with the bad aliens right and the government's been hiding the existence of the good aliens so there's all these kind of like American myths that you might call that are being drawn into neurospirituality and then they get bound up with things like QAnon and it's like the people who study QAnon very kind of closely call this things like 5D QAnon you've got figures like David Wilcock um and David Icke, who have been involved with new age spirituality and conspiracy theories and ideas about reptilians and the new world order for a long time. And then that's all kind of merged with this new idea of QAnon, which basically is a lot of old conspiracy theories, but with Donald Trump placed as the like messianic leader of the good versus evil, which is where they lose me completely. <laughs> Because I'm like, yeah, I can see how like the elites are kind of arrayed against us and essentially our lives are forfeit to their whims because that kind of expresses an existential truth, right? Right, yeah. But then when you tell me that Donald Trump is the one that's going to save us all, that's why I'm like, nah, no. <laughs> you, you lost me on that. <laughs> yeah, you lost me on that. And also, you can, you can spend your whole life believing in things like chemtrails or that, that fluoridated water is bad for you, right? And you just kind of take some lifestyle changes to avoid these things. And it doesn't really create any further societal ills, really. Mm. I mean, you personally are spending money on like, I don't know, structured water, which is, you know, basically a scam. But like, if you want to be scammed, great. No, the problem comes when you're saying things like COVID isn't real, so we're not getting vaccinated. You know, the problem comes where you're saying, no, Donald Trump really is a messianic saver. And when he says the election was rigged and false, it really is. So now let's go attack the Capitol, right? That's yeah. when it becomes really problematic. Yeah. Um, and that's where we are now. And that's where it's really quite scary. Yeah, right. It's all fun and games when it's just people leading you on a tour through some vortexes. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's well. And <clears throat> so that brings us to the a whole other thing, which is that all this research you did became so politically relevant in this last year. And, uh, and you see that, you know, this movement that you're studying actually has so much uh, danger and, and so much power in it. Um, and so I want to kind of take a break here and then we'll have a whole other episode just to talk about that. Okay.